My Gay Expose podcast, currently sitting at number 17 of the top 200 best LGBTQ plus podcasts of all time. That's right, bitches. You didn't hear wrong. That is actual fact. Ah, shit. I literally have 89 unread emails. Oh, God, I need to pour myself a drink to get through. I received an email from Richard B. from Albuquerque, New Mexico, about a month and a half ago. And he stated as follows. Hello there. I am a huge fan of your show. But I have to admit, it hasn't always been that way. In fact, when I first caught wind of your show, it was, I think, early on, and I believe the title was called Feel the Burn of Chlamydia, which is exactly why I clicked the episode to take a listen. And what I discovered was while the information that you provided was relevant, I definitely felt that you were a little new, probably didn't know what you were doing, and were kind of sounded like you were reading and also like maybe just a little bit more robotic sounding than you should have been. And to be honest, it was kind of a turnoff. Fast forward like four or five months later and I decided to give you a second shot. And to my complete and total shock, I discovered that not only had you improved significantly with the show as well as the subject matter, But as I maneuvered through episode after episode in the more recent realm of your publishing journey, I discovered that you were actually really good. Like you full on improved to a place where I could just feel the confidence in the sound of your voice. And even the way that you just said things was like night and day from what I heard once before. So I just wanted to send this email to you to let you know that whatever you're doing to improve, continue to do that and move forward with your head held high with that same confidence that I now hear on each and every one of your current episodes. Good luck. And I'm here listening every week. And you guys, this is probably one of the most heartfelt and rewarding emails that I've ever read from anyone who has listened to my show. But as I continuously go through all of these emails and DMs on a regular basis from you, the listeners, I'm realizing that I'm actually feeling that confidence and it it's kind of shining and kind of raining through. And I'm so excited about the growth the potential, and all the things that I have planned for this show moving forward. So I felt that this week it would be a lot of fun to go over some of these emails and or DMs. And I have to let you know right now, some of them aren't always just as good as the one that I just read. Some of them are actually very very negative, and I'll respond to all of your questions, comments, or concerns in the best way that I can. So sit back, relax, put on that condom, or pop your prep pill, 
and let's slide into Ronnie Washburn's DMs for My Gay Expose Podcast. You are now listening to My Gay Expose Podcast, a show that unperfectly describes what it's like when life has you fucked in the head while being fucked from behind. I'm Ronnie Washburn, a writer, LGBTQ plus community activist, and podcast host who's based out of San Francisco, California. Ronnie Washburn here, and welcome back to My Gay Expose podcast. Oh, you guys, I have to take a quick second to just share with you how fucking excited that I am that all of a sudden, out of the blue, over the course of the last, like, month and a half, I have been so bombarded and overwhelmed with Numbers that continue to spike through the roof. All sorts of DMs slash emails with questions, comments, and concerns from you, the listeners, in regards to me, my show, and really just anything that I just so happen to talk about on the show that you feel like you have to drop your little two cents in about. And I really am just getting to a place where I need to hire a goddamn assistant. But unfortunately, I can't quite afford one just yet. But I'm so excited that you guys are just catching on, that something's happening, and I really don't know what it is. But you guys are just really into my show. And you know, even though I do continuously receive all sorts of praise and adoration on a regular basis... I'm now also getting an increasing number of people who have some sort of negative thing to say, feel like they need to school me on something they felt that I didn't explain properly, and or just throw in their somewhat aggressive opinion. And you know what? Like I said so many times in the past on this show, I welcome even the negative shit because after all, if you take the time out of your day to write me an email, a DM, or just chime in somehow to let me know that I'm somehow doing something that you don't feel is either appropriate, not appropriate, etc. Then that means that technically I've won because I've captured your time to go through the motions to do that. And also, you're contributing to me paying my bills just in case you were wondering. So on this week's episode, I'm going to go over so many of those questions, comments, and concerns that I've received over the course of, well, this entire series, and just share some of the big ones, the ones that need explanation, and maybe ones that I just haven't had a chance to get around to answering because now I'm being bombarded by all sorts of things flying my way. And this week, we're taking a break from our regularly scheduled segmentation 
And instead of doing the re-expose segment, the hot gay goss segment, and the your gay expose segment, we're just going to jump into all of the shit that you have just got to hear. So let's get into some of that juicy shit now. First up, we've got tons of inquiries in regards to clarification for Running Your Mouth with Ronnie, a new show, by the way, that's coming your way to 2222. So go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review, and listen to the three previews that I've got already lined up on the show, and you'll get just a little taste of what you can expect moving forward. Oh, and also Spotify. (laughs) I'm still a little bit bitter about Spotify not publishing my episode the other week. It really affected my fucking numbers right when things are starting to take off. (laughs) But yes, follow on Spotify and turn on those notifications so that you can catch wind of each and every episode of Running Your Mouth with Ronnie right when it drops on Tuesday, 2 22 22. You see, you guys, I've talked about this shit so many times on this show that I've got that entire fucking monologue completely and entirely memorized. But here we go. I'll say it again. So I decided because this show got so much attention and I started to get like all of these like inquiries from like PR representatives and like publicists and things of that nature for various people who are trying to get their name out for some reason. And I guessed being a guest on a show is really where it's at when it comes to that kind of shit. So I just get email after email of these people trying to get their clients as guests on my show. And, you know, because this show has gotten so much attention for what it is, that's exactly why I don't want to have guests on the show. Because it's my gay expose and not anybody else's. But you know, because I am such a big, bold, and boisterous personality, and I find myself getting lost with conversations with other people on a regular basis, I thought it would be a lot of fun to actually have guests on a show. So instead, I decided to create Running Your Mouth with Ronnie, a show in which I take one specific individual and or guest each and every week and just see if they're even capable of running their mouth right alongside me. And you guys, I am so fucking excited about the lineup. The great part about all of this is just that, you know, because my gay expose podcast has been getting so much attention, it's sort of like shot me forward into a place where the type of guests that I'm getting are just so fucking exciting. And I can't wait for you to hear more. We've got sex workers on OnlyFans as well as actual like prostitute type situations. We've got LGBTQ plus community activists all over the city. We've got gay 
out loud and proud recording artists, members of the trans community, and shit, even ex-grinder hookups have agreed to be a guest on the show. And you guys, so much fucking more. So stay tuned for more information to follow Tuesday, 2-22-22, running your mouth with Ronnie. And really, that's the last <laughs> that I'm going to talk about that shit on this episode. I got a lot of shit for the episode in which I talked about my love for eating ass. So here's my whole thing with that. Like, I, for one thing, I just don't understand why people who consider themselves gay individuals would even for one moment come for me just because I want to tell a story in explicit and detailed, like, content in regards to how I like to eat ass, why I like to eat ass, and why eating ass is one of my most favorite things in this world. But the thing is, is if you're a gay man, you love to eat ass. Am I wrong? I, and this is coming from a full-on bottom. <laughs> but I like ass is something I like purposefully check out and seek out, even though I'm not going to bang it. So I just don't really understand why I got a lot of negative feedback. I mean, I was told that I was a little too detailed. It was a little too explicit. They could have gone without some of the things mentioned or described in that episode. But it's like one of those situations where it's like, listen, I'm going to do exactly what it is I'm going to do. And if you don't want to hear any of that shit, then just don't listen. Hit that unsubscribe button. You're not going to fucking hurt my feelings. And by the way, just for the record, highest performing episode in my gay expose podcast history. So clearly, I did something right. So put that in your fucking ass and eat it. I recently got the question asked that was pretty fucking intriguing, and they were wondering, how has Grinder in my sex life changed pre-show versus now during the show? And that honestly wouldn't have even been something that I would even consider bringing up until about the last month and a half when things for the show have really just been starting to take off and the attention has just kind of somehow out of nowhere, gone through the roof. But I do find it a little bit harder to maneuver through grinder interactions now that the show has become, you know, something that's getting a lot of people's attention. And it's sometimes it's hard to figure out if people just want to sleep with me because they just want to sleep with me like a regular grinder hookup, or if they're trying to sleep their way up the ladder, so to speak. Pink, like an opportunistic person with an agenda who might just want to have sex because they think it's going to get them somewhere. And believe it or not, this shit definitely is there. Not, not only like just to like sleep their way up the ladder, but also that they just want to have sex with me sometimes because they want me to talk about them on the show. 
But this is just some, one of those situations that I kind of ran into when I was blogging pretty hardcore. It's like people caught wind that I was writing a sex blog about like my experiences with individual sexual encounters. And when they caught wind of it, they somehow wanted to have sex with me because they wanted me to write about them. But here's the thing. You have to be like completely terrible, completely the most amazing, mind-blowing sex that I've ever had, or just some random crazy sexual situation that merits some sort of a story. Otherwise, if it's just a random hookup that's maybe good, maybe not, maybe eh, maybe whatever, then it's not really worth bringing up. And I don't think that's what people understand. It's like, I'm not just going to talk about this guy that I just so happened to have sex with just because he wanted me to talk about him on the show. That's not how this shit works. And I won't. Not going to do it. So if you're listening to this right here, right now, and you're trying to get in my pants, I'm not doing it. Specifically for the show. Unless I do things like the Sex with Four Gingers episode where I specifically seek out four individual gingers to refute some guy's uh, accusation that I should like gingers, which the end result was a negative. So there's that. But I have used sexual encounters to seek out certain situations to talk about on the show. I will admit it. So, you know, this might be actually kind of a double standard thing. <laughs> but you know what? It's my show and my gay expose, not your gay sexual exploitation expose. various questions often surrounding this specific subject. So I'm just going to tell you exactly what it's, what it is, and you can just make your own decisions. So here's the thing. If you are going to binge or go through into any of the past episodes, honestly, I would avoid the very beginning. <laughs> but here are the top 10 performing episodes on my Gay Expose podcast, starting with the 10th most listened to episode of all time. And that is, what's the craziest thing that you've ever seen at Folsom Street Fair, which was just recent. I think it was like two episodes. Yeah, two episodes ago. And I'm actually in a place now where I'm seeing recent episodes far surpassing ones that have had the highest rating and that is just such a fucking rewarding feeling. But I think it's mostly because you guys are just into like the dirty Folsom Street Fair leather fetish bullshit. At least that's my guess. Ninth highest performing episode of all time, The Gay Walk of Shame Archives, which is yet another season two episode. And obviously I get why this one is widely listened to as well because it's my top sexual encounters of all time. So I get that one. Number eight is Popper's Burns. And I'm actually pretty proud of this one. It was at the tail end of season one. And it was kind of the first time I sort of stepped out of my box on the show. And I got like five brands of poppers, hit them live on the show and rated them from like a scale of like one to 10 on what brands hit 
the best, the hardest, like all things in between in regards to me exposing what I felt about each brand. And the episode itself is just about my obsession and love for poppers. And I'm actually working on a Poppers Burns 2.0 where I'm taking other brands of poppers and we'll be hitting those live on the show. So I'm kind of excited for the preparation for that one as well. Seventh highest performing episode of all time is The Positive in HIV, which I'm actually kind of shocked because this was a little bit more on a serious tone, but I kind of get why because obviously talking about people who are HIV positive is sort of that taboo topic of conversation pretty much anywhere else besides places like San Francisco because <laughs> we just we just don't even care about that shit here like you could still live a long happy healthy life and if you're taking medication everybody's safe so go get tested <laughs> Uh, sixth highest performing episode of all time is The Disaster. That is The Disaster. That is big city dating. And this is actually something that makes me smile because I actually took my very first episode that I ever launched of all time and just ripped myself to shreds in a Ronnie Washburn roast style. And I'm kind of happy that this one performed really well. That makes me look towards other terrible episodes and do future roasts and I've got a couple in the works as we speak. The fifth highest performing episode of all time is in San Francisco. The gym is gay church. A episode that focuses on how everyone, if you're gay in San Francisco, is so gym obsessed and my struggle to try and maneuver through the gym and all of the fuckery in between. Fourth highest performing episode of all time is the second episode that I ever premiered, which is kind of weird to me. And I don't understand why this one performed so well, but it's the top or bottom controversy. And maybe that's why, because you want to hear about a controversy between tops and bottoms. But I'm actually roasting myself on this one as well in the future because a good topic, yes, but the way I executed it, because it was my second episode, was a miss. So stay tuned for that. The third highest most or most listened to episode on the show is the Sex with Four Gingers episode, which marks the fastest growing episode in my gay expose podcast history. And I'm so excited about this, you guys. This is like where we're kind of starting to see things really take off and shine for the show. And I'm just over the moon with excitement for that. The second most listened to episode on the show is the Pink Dick Challenge, an episode in which I was challenged by a friend to sleep with as many pink dicks as I could and come back and report to see if somehow I was into pink dicks, which I guess is kind of the same idea as sleeping with gingers. But I was just like with my friends at a bar who just so happened to all be Asian and only into white guys. And I was like, I'm actually into everyone else but white guys. <laughs> so I accepted the challenge. And if you want to know the results, then tune in to that episode. 
But yeah, second highest performing episode of all time. And the number one most listened to episode in my gay expose podcast history is, wait for it. Are you ready? Can you feel it? The rimming truth of gays that like to eat ass in which I expose my love for how I enjoy eating ass so much. And even though this is the one episode that got the most negative feedback, it's still the highest performing episode of all time. So put that in your motherfucking ass and smoke it. And that's it. Those are the top 10 episodes. So if you're wanting to binge, start from the rimming truth of gays that like to eat ass, the pink dick challenge, the sex with four gingers, the top or bottom controversy in San Francisco, the gym is gay church, the disaster. That is the disaster. That is big city dating, the positive in HIV, poppers burns, the gay walk of shame archives, and what is the craziest thing that you've ever seen at Folsom Street Fair? So one of the most common inquiries that I get from people via DM or email is the idea that some people just can't wrap their minds around like my relationship status. So I talk about my boyfriend pretty frequently. And I've also stated many times on this show how I'm in an open relationship. And, you know, I have to admit, because I am you know, living in San Francisco and have been for so long now and kind of numb to any and all things like in the realm of extreme gay, quote unquote. (laughs) I feel like some people just don't really fully get the idea of an open relationship and what that means and how the dynamic of my relationship with my current boyfriend is. So just as a quick explanation, because I get so many different variations of this inquiry often, my boyfriend and I are basically in it for like the commitment portion of the relationship or, you know, having that companionship with one another, the parts that are unsex related. In other words, like we both have sex with other guys on a regular basis and leave all the other emotional bullshit out of the equation. So the emotional bullshit is between my boyfriend and I. And my boyfriend and I have sex pretty often, so please don't think for a moment that it's just one of those sexless relationships because I'm telling you it's not. And I do feel a lot of the times that sometimes the sex with my boyfriend is actually better than some of the hookups because there is that emotional attachment involved. But listen, I get that open relationships aren't for everyone. And it really took me a long time to even come to terms with the idea of what this would be for me in a relationship with someone else and like sleeping with other guys. So it's definitely something that with this specific relationship works out really well for the both of us. It doesn't really get in the way. We really don't talk about who we hook up with or when we hook up with whatever. And we just kind of leave all of that to 
each other's own agenda and just, you know, pretty much do all the other relationship stuff that couples need to do together. And our relationship hasn't been this good since, you know, we decided to do this. So I'm, you know, it's really working out well for us. And I get that if you don't live in bigger cities with large gay communities such as San Francisco, LA, New York, etc. You probably don't understand this, but listen, I'm a fervent believer that there are people in this world that are put in our lives to show us that there are ways of living that we may not always understand. And just because we don't understand them doesn't mean it's a thing. So I invite you, if you aren't like open to this idea, to just give it a second thought and see if maybe this arrangement might be for you. It's working well for me so far because I get dick on a regular basis, but I also get my boyfriend's dick as well. It's the best of both fucking worlds, and I would plug it till the end of time. A question was thrown my way this week in regards to my confidence level. So they were asking, what do I think has given me the confidence to talk about all the stuff that I've talked about and thrown myself out there publicly in such a vulnerable way? And listen, I wasn't always this confident. It's only recently that I've really just not given a fuck anymore. And you know, I have to say, before when I first started the show, I really didn't know what I was doing. I just had an idea. I wanted to execute it and I just went for it. And I think that's how we all get good at shit in life. We just start, we learn what works, what doesn't work. And then we kind of take what does work and eliminate the stuff that doesn't work and move forward. And just as we do it every single day, each and every week, you start start to kind of get a little bit more confident and your groove just kind of shines. Well, that's exactly what I did. And honestly, listening to other shows, getting ideas, listening to other people and how they carry themselves, how they say the things they say, what they say that I'm just like, oh God, what is this person even thinking? Actually makes me go back to some of my earlier episodes and think the exact same shit about myself. So while I don't enjoy going back to some of those early episodes and just cringing at listening to myself fumble through all the like perfectionistic shit that I thought that I had to do in the beginning, that's what actually made it not work. What actually made this show work is when I just stopped giving a flying fuck and just let shit flow out of my mouth in such a freestyle way. <laughs> I used to like fucking type up like scripted bullet points. And I just, you know, going back through and listening to myself and just clearly telling myself like, why the fuck did you let yourself read off a fucking screen of a computer? And by the way, letting the computer click be very obvious in the background. Uh, it was just, I think my mind was just so worried and insecure about 
me not doing well on something like this, like a podcast, a show, that I was just trying way too hard. And what ended up happening is now I look back on those episodes, and while I've learned from them, ugh, I definitely don't want to hear any of that shit ever again. <laughs> so it's just a learning experience, to be honest. And if you're trying to break into the podcasting world, my encouragement to you is do as much research as you possibly can on other people on their shows and find out what you think works and then listen to some people who aren't as good and find out what you think they did that you don't like that you know for yourself won't work. And that's when you can crack the code and have your light switch moment, which I think I've kind of arrived to. (laughs) And I'm not just saying that. Like, I've been told very recently like kind of overwhelmingly that they, people have just seen such a drastic change, different attitude, different mindset, different flow, and everything is just so much better than it once was. And I have to agree, you know, in this entire process, when I feel like my shit is terrible, feel so insecure and just think that I should quit tomorrow that's when I pull up any other one random episode from anyone else's podcast and realize that I'm that much fucking better. And if you don't carry yourself with that confidence, then you're never going to get this shit. That's my gay expose podcasting advice to you. get asked, what is next for Ronnie Washburn? That's a really fucking loaded question. And really, to be honest, the answer is kind of a tall order. But there's so much exciting things on the horizon for Ronnie Washburn, including running your mouth with Ronnie that drops early next year. I have several different projects that have just kind of fallen into my lap that I can't reveal just yet. But stay tuned for that. And I'm so beyond over the moon excited. I, by the way, I don't do not like keeping secrets well. Like if I can't keep secrets, especially when I'm excited about like the work and the things that I'm doing and all the different projects that are coming my way. And there's so much fun fucking shit that is about to be announced soon. One that includes me having to start this mandated diet, as well as like a rigorous workout regimen to basically get to a place where I have to do like a naked slash shirtless photo shoot sesh. And I can't reveal why, but all of that will be, you know, coming your way with details and information in regards to what that even means coming soon. And I have to say this fucking diet and This workout routine is not the business. (laughs) I would much rather just fucking order a burger and fries and then get a bag of chips on my way home with a six pack of beer and just sit in front of the TV while I like wipe the crumbs off my little belly. (laughs) That's so much more of what I'd rather be doing. But 
this is the price you pay for actually getting some work. So stay tuned for more exciting information in regards to me, Ronnie Washburn, and what's in store for my entire fucking brand. Big news on the way, coming soon. I get a lot of people who have a really hard time understanding why I'm just so open and candid and just don't give two flying fucks about revealing some of the most embarrassing slash vulnerable slash outlandish slash extreme slash any and all things sexual escapades related materials. I mean, I openly admit that I have somewhat of a drinking problem. I openly admit that I'm kind of consider myself a sex addict. I've been very candid about my divorce, my body dysmorphic issues that I've struggled with my entire life, being a little bit more feminine as a kid growing up and how that fucked me up and kind of carried over into my adulthood in regards to being insecure about pretty much just about everything. And, you know, even every single fucking eating disorder in the book that you could possibly think of or get skinny, quick diet shit. I mean, I've talked about it all. I openly admit, like, embarrassing situations such as having multiple oopsie-daisy, dirty-butt sex situations in my life. I've opened up about cheating on previous boyfriends. I mean, I've opened up about my family being against all things gay and how that's really kind of fucked up the dynamic with my relationships with most of my family members. And to be honest with you, there's really not a whole hell of a lot that I wouldn't talk about. I've always kind of had that personality that's very, because everybody else won't talk about it. That's exactly why I'm going to. And I don't give a fuck what you think. (laughs) So that's the whole point and premise of this show is to really just expose all things gay the way I see it. And of course, the sexual themed episodes do tend to perform the best and I get it. But I also want to be a little bit more vulnerable and kind of just show people that just because you're an attractive gay member of society and you don't have like a hard time getting dick or getting dates, etc. That doesn't mean you don't struggle with insecurities and things that you just have to like try to get through in your head. That's where I came up with the tagline for the opening theme of the show, when life has you fucked in the head while being fucked from behind. Because there's so many things in this life that fuck us up in our minds And even though I exude sheer confidence, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't struggle with insecurity, insecurities in my everyday life. I still am. And I'm older than I now care to admit, even though I still look young. (laughs) That's the whole point of the show, to show people from any corner of the world, no matter where you come from, that people like me struggle with shit. And just because I have a big smile on my face, that might not be where my head 
is. And I want to encourage everybody to understand that that is fucking normal. Ugh, nobody's perfect and nobody's perfectly happy. And that's just the way life is. somebody the other day who actually sent me a DM asking me that because I frequently review RuPaul's Drag Race on one of the segments of my show each and every week and claim to be such a huge fan of any and all things drag in between, who would I pick to be on the cast of All Stars Season 7? Because in... (laughs) In... All-Star Season 6, I reviewed each episode. I was very unimpressed, very underwhelmed, and really disappointed in the cast and the outcome, to be honest. So here's the thing. I just feel like Rue kind of shot herself in the foot with Season 6 because in Season 2, she brought, like, all the fucking A-list drag queens. Like, all the cream of the crop, the top five-star rated queens were all on one fucking, like, season. So when you start going through the motions of doing seasons thereafter, who's left? And I have to be honest with you, if we don't see some of the girls in season 13 in season seven all-stars, I don't know what we're going to do because there was so much talent in season 13 and it was really hard for me to go from all the amazing that was RuPaul's Drag Race season 13 into the dud that was All-Stars 6. Oh, God. You know, I need to see Rosé again. I definitely want to see Got Mick again. And honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing Candy Muse again and seeing how she's potentially improved, even though I wasn't the biggest fan of hers on the show. I do feel like Joey J is going to make a comeback in and all-stars somewhere in the near future. I feel like April Carrion from season six should at some point be in all-stars. Let's see, who else is there that hasn't already been? I mean, that's what I mean. It's like most of them have all been there. I don't know. So I have a feeling season seven is going to be fully saturated with season 13 girls, and I hope so. Oh, God. I mean, I just hope that it doesn't continuously be the disaster. That was RuPaul's All-Star Season 6. And let's just cross our fingers and hope. I'm trying to think of who else. I really would wish that they would bring Willem back, which I don't think she would even do. But she was always one of my favorites. I wouldn't mind seeing Alyssa Edwards again because she is hands down my favorite drag star of all time. Denali, Rockham Sakura, Olivia Lux, Kim Chi, Lala Ree, Heidi in Closet, Nina West. Um, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a pretty solid cast there in itself. But we'll just have to see how all of that shit plays itself out in RuPaul's All-Stars season Seven, and I can't wait to talk about that even more on this 
show. The question was asked, would you ever consider recording any of your episodes under the influence of either marijuana or some other sort of substance? (laughs) So here's the problem with that. I'm assuming this person's talking about drugs and drinking. I've done plenty of times on the show, been drunk, even made myself a cocktail in one episode (laughs) while recording. But when it comes to any sort of drugs, it doesn't really do me any good to be in a studio by myself recording because drugs do nothing but in like totally enhance my horniness. So in other words, being by myself while recording live on a show isn't a good idea under any sort of drug substance because, well, all I'm going to want to do is find the first person willing to have a good fuck. Like, for example, my boyfriend and I were doing edibles a couple weeks back, and I ended up coming in his mouth twice. And that, by the way, was one right after another. So drugs and Ronnie just don't do good in a closed up by myself type situation. So probably not, but on running your mouth with Ronnie, however, That might be a possibility, and that probably would be an episode that I'm pretty sure all of you would end up actually loving, because I don't know what I would do to the guest. (laughs) Oh, God. I make the mistake of like talking about things and then when, you know, they get delayed or don't come through, like when they should, then all the questions start to flood about where is it, what's going on, and then it just makes me look dumb. So that's why I kind of don't talk about shit that hasn't come to fruition just yet because I just don't want to make those mistakes that I did early on in the show. But I've been working on my very first book entitled... Gay Walk of Shame, which pretty much just depicts my entire sexual life diary style. So it's pretty much like an autobiography, so to speak, on how I came to San Francisco and all of the sexcapades that I've done in between. And it's so, I'm so excited about it, you guys. I actually had to take a break from writing it because, well, life happened. (laughs) The original publishing company that I was with they ended up like going out of business because of COVID. So that kind of threw a wrench into things. But I was determined to continue with the writing process. And then I got asked back to work and I was working full time, plus doing the podcast, plus various other job opportunities came up in regards to like freelance writing gigs and things of that nature. So I had to shelve the book, quote unquote, so to speak, for a while. But I've recently just like hopped back in and kind of for the third time redid the structure of how I see everything flowing in the way that it should. And I'm so excited about it, you guys. It's pretty much a take on my original blog, only bigger, bolder, and more derivative. And it's honestly going to be a really fucking good read. And you should check it out. And I'll reveal more information 
on when. That will drop coming soon. And I'm not going to really talk about it until I get closer towards the tail end. But let's just say things are going in a really great way. So I'm so excited for that. And stay tuned. And I'm hoping that that nips all of that shit in the butt because I get questions about the book often. But that makes me excited because I feel like you'll buy a copy. A lot of people have a hard time wrapping their mind around listening to some of the things that I talk about on a regular basis. Being as promiscuous as I am and being so open about like all things related to sex and all of my sexual encounters and just kind of being considered a slut, etc. But also being a dad and how can I juggle the two? And I've had to like have conversations back and forth with people so often about this specific topic. And I don't understand why people don't get why multitasking can't be a thing for somebody like me who does live a very fulfilled gay life, but also is very fulfilled by being a father. It's really not that hard to grasp. I just don't get it. And my son is like now 14. And it's no different than like, say, a porn star having kids and knowing that that's what mommy does for a living. It's kind of the same fucking thing if you think about it. things that I've recently grown to understand about this show and as it continues to grow and I get more and more inquiries and listeners and the numbers continue to go through the roof and I see a new country popping up on my analytics app pretty consistently on a regular basis. I have to understand that not everybody is as numb to all things gay in regards to living in San Francisco, for example, and just living in a specific part of the city where gay is all around me. I mean, you can't go anywhere in the Castro district of San Francisco without running into a rainbow flag, a sex party poster on the street, sex stores, and just some of the random shit that you see on the streets, in the clubs, in the bars, etc. It's all just something I've grown accustomed to. So I think when I go into some of these recording sessions, I go in with that mindset because that's my daily life. But I've recently been made aware that not a lot of people from other parts of the world fully grasp a lot of the concepts that I've come to know. And I should never assume that everybody is just on the same page as me. That's definitely one thing I for sure have learned about this show that there are a lot of people out there with a lot of different opinions. But here's the thing. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, including me. And that's it. But it's my job to show other people who might not be exposed to as much gay as I am what it's like to live in a place such as this and why they should go to their nearest gay city near them 
and just fucking move there and experience all that shit for themselves. And then you'll actually understand why I am the way I am. Or maybe not. Maybe I'm just the way I am because I'm me. So the whole Metamucil thing comes up for me often, and I touched on this a little bit in the being the best bossy bottom that you could be, um, as well as like the dirty butt sex episodes. There's, I, I mean, I brought this up so many times on the show, and you know what's actually kind of funny? One of my favorite shows, um, Ebony and Irony with Lady Bunny and Monet Exchange. Free plug, you guys. <laughs> they have like one specific episode opening where Monet was like talking to Lady Bunny at the very beginning of the episode. And she's like, I'm just here mixing up my Metamucil. And then they went into extensive conversation as to why she's taking Metamucil. And so I, just for the record, sorry, Monet, but I talked about this shit far, far, far more often and way before you did, <laughs> just for the fucking record. But yes, Metamucil, it's far better for you, I think, in your digestive system than it is to buy any of those super expensive, like, pills, like Pure for Men. And I think there's a couple of other ones that, you know, try to publicize that if you take those pills every day that you'll be worry-free and bottom-friendly at any moment throughout the day, which may or may not be 100% accurate. I have had multiple friends say that they've had dirty butt sex, oopsie-daisy moments on Pure for Men. But listen, save yourself all that fucking money. Go to Walgreens, buy a generic tub of Metamucil, and take that shit twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. And honestly, I do side note, feel like it is responsible for giving me kind of weird and messy dreams. But also, just as another side note, it has made me the most consistent as far as like knowing when I need to use the restroom, knowing that I'm fully confident with that random hookup that just so happens to hit me up on Grindr as I'm walking out of work and not worrying about it. It's just been such a godsend in my life. And for all of you who spend all this money on that shit, just stop. And don't go through the motions of trying to figure out your digestive tract and maybe just do research on all the things that you should and shouldn't be eating and just test out your own body. Like for me specifically, I don't do well with dairy. It just doesn't make things work the way it should. But when you take Metamucil each and every day, you can confidently be that bossy ass bottom that you were meant to be. So go out and buy your tub of Metamucil now. And I need need some sort of an endorsement deal with Metamucil. That's how fucking much I've talked about them on this show. But really, it's like one of those things that I honestly live by. And just ask Monet Exchange. She knows. (laughs) 
One of the more recent inquiries that has blown my way are questions, direct and very blunt comments, and even some concerns about the revelation that I revealed in the Sex with Four Gingers episode where, okay, so quick, long story short, I pretty much got a DM from this guy years ago after I published an episode on being a ginger, growing up as a ginger, and just struggling with all things ginger in between, and how as a result, I just am not into gingers sexually. And there, to be honest with you, I don't feel like there's anything wrong with that. But apparently, fellow gingers have the hardest fucking time understanding this concept. Listen, I've been actually fetish... Let me see if I can say this right. Fetishized (laughs) by specific guys who have told me that they're into ginger. So this is a definite thing. So I don't really know where all of this negativity from fellow gingers comes from. But yes, this is something I did. I went out of my way to seek out four specific redheaded guys on Grindr to have sex with them for the show to see that if I maybe would be open-minded and listen to this guy's accusations as to why I should be into gingers. But here's the thing. I'm not. And if you want to point the finger at me and tell me I'm a bad person because I specifically seeked out guys to endorse on my show, there's a couple of things that you need to get correct before you come at me. First and foremost, I didn't reveal any one of the guy's names or anything that would indicate any one specific individual at all whatsoever. So I didn't call anyone out. I didn't expose anyone. I didn't do anything of that nature. All four of these members completely are anonymous. So there's that. I didn't do anything malicious. It wasn't... It wasn't... Someone accused me of actually exploiting these guys individually. And I'm just like, get the fuck out of here. You don't have any fucking clue what you're even talking about. It's all in fun for content for my show. And you know what? Here's the thing. They were consensual sexual encounters. So if they didn't want to have sex with me, they didn't have to. But guess what? They did. That's it. was asked, what is my specific sexual fetish? Oh, God. (laughs) So, funny thing, I've done two specific fetish-themed episodes on this show, and in both, I actually reached out to a few of my friends as well, as you the listeners, and asked the question on what people think of the fetish world, or what their specific fetishes are or whatever. And one, well, actually a couple of things I learned. Number one, I'm super fucking vanilla. For someone like me who talks constantly about sex nonstop, considers himself to be a sex addict and a complete and total fucking slut. I really don't have any 
fetish. I think as lame as this might be, I have like butt and bulge in underwear fetish things that I'm super turned on by as like stupid as that sounds. So like an underwear fetish, I guess. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I just, my fetish is sex. Okay. <laughs> but it's, I have to say this though. I did recently learn that San Francisco is a little heavy, um, gay culture wise in the fetish realm. And so I kind of was thinking that that was just a little bit more normal than I thought. But one of my friends from New York was like, no, you San Francisco people are so freaky. It's insane. <laughs> so apparently the rest of the world isn't as like hardcore or chains and whipsy as we are here in the city. But I did definitely learn that I don't really have a fetish. And I left both of those episodes with all the research that I did, as well as all the answers I received from you, the listeners, feeling some kind of way like I felt so emotionally like I just don't know how to feel about any of this shit there's so much crazy fetish shit out there but once again I'm on that be open-minded to things that you don't understand train so if you're into underwear <laughs> come at me on grinder. I often get asked how the COVID situation in San Francisco is doing, so to speak. And it's actually quite interesting because <laughs> I posted an Insta story last week of me attending Castro Street Fair, which is an annual fair that we have here in the Castro where like all the gay vendors come out and, you know, do their little thing. It's just really a fun way to honestly just participate in a festival and just drink your face off and have a good time. However, it, you know, did show in my Insta story, like a huge mass group of people in the area and not one person was really wearing a mask. So somebody actually DM'd me and was like, uh, so is COVID over in your city or what's the situation? And I was like, no, I mean, we're definitely dealing with a lot of what's going on in regards to the Delta variant. But San Francisco has one of the highest vaccination ratings in California, I believe, or I don't know, probably the United States, if I'm not mistaken. Listen, San Francisco's always been really cautious, safe, followed the rules, were very like left wing and everything anti-Republican in this world. <laughs> so we all wore our masks like we were supposed to. We all followed the rules. And as a result, we've been praised by the Department of Public Health for actually being one of the only major cities in the United States that is kind of on top of each other, like small with like a huge population that didn't really have COVID outbreak issues. It's, it's actually funny because LA back in 2020 had some of the highest cases like in the United States history. <laughs> but that just shows you how we here in SF do it right. And right now, as we currently sit, 
You're not allowed to walk into a bar or restaurant or do any sort of indoor dining without showing proof of vaccination, which most people, I think, are obeying. Understand it's a thing and it's just a citywide regulation. But occasionally you'll see some stupid ass who's trying to fight the system and doesn't want to be told they have to provide that shit just to eat indoors. But we're getting through and as a result of our mandate in SF for eating and going into a bar and showing proof of vaccine, our numbers are not spiking. So yes, in regards to going to a public events such as Castro Street Fair or Folsom Street Fair and being unmasked is a thing. Also, it's interesting, too, because a lot of the things that we didn't have last year are coming back. So like right now, we're currently sitting in Fleet Week, which is one of my favorite years because we get all of these people. They call them semen because <laughs> there's all these uh, guys in hot like sailor looking uniforms walking around. It's one of my favorite times of year, truth be told. It's like a huge thirst trap everywhere you look. And I'm surprised I haven't actually recorded an episode with the Blue Angels noise in the background because I always forget about it every year. And I feel like as soon as I start hearing the like super loud noises, I'm like, oh my God, are we being bombed? (laughs) Because I always forget. But yes, San Francisco is getting back to our norm. And I think our mindset here is that we just all, as residents, wear our masks, go about our day, do our thing. And I think we're not as afraid of COVID as we once were because, well, most of us are vaccinated. (laughs) Uh, So if you're struggling in whatever part of the world you live in with COVID-related bullshit, Come move to San Francisco and get vaccinated and live life to its fullest by going to every single festival that are now being put on on a regular basis. We're, I think, coming around the corner to the tunnel at the or the light at the end of the tunnel, whatever the fuck. I hope because I'm over this shit. And of course, I get these stupid ass questions, (laughs) but then somehow find myself still answering them. The question was asked, do you prefer cut or uncut? Uh, Listen, so here's the thing. When it comes to a dick being presented to me and or my mouth or my ass, I wouldn't really turn anyone away. I mean, there are some that actually do look like an alien (laughs) but like for the most part a dick to me is just one of the most beautiful things in this world and I definitely prefer uncut there's just a little bit more to play with with your mouth when you're blowing a guy it's just far hotter and there is nothing more in this world that I am turned on by when seeing a dick than when a guy has so much foreskin that it's like half hanging over the head, half not. Oh, God, it's just the hottest thing ever. But I, I, you know, I personally am cut, so maybe that's why I'm so into uncut dick. But I do tend to veer towards the thicker, juicier, and obviously stereotypical, bigger dicks are my preference. So that's why I tend to enjoy 
dicks from people who are of Latin descent, first and foremost, because they fit almost all of those descriptions. (laughs) But again, would never discriminate any dick at all, whatsoever. I've been asked pretty frequently in regards to all the information that I've revealed about getting STDs, how often I've gotten STDs in my life, and how it's just really not a fucking thing. And I do get that there are people in this world who view STDs as being dirty. Listen, in the gay community, getting a fucking case of gonorrhea in your throat or chlamydia in your ass is normal. Very normal. It's just as common as the common cold. And someone actually specifically asked me recently how many times I've had an STD. (laughs) I probably couldn't tell you, to to be honest. Shit, I want to say like eight times. I think I had... (laughs) I've had gonorrhea at least four times. I've had chlamydia at least three times. I fortunately dodged all the ones that stay in your system, thankfully. But that's just... Gay San Francisco at its finest, and I'm pretty confident that if you live in a gay populated community in a bigger city, you're probably 100% on the same page and chapter as I am too. And if you have a problem with that, I really don't give a flying fuck in case you hadn't noticed. was asked, what type of porn are you most into? And that's a really hard question to answer because I honestly, even in regards to my taste in men, I'm really just kind of all over the place. There's really something hot about each and every aspect of porn for me. I, I can't really say that there's any one specific genre that I gravitate to the most, I kind of go through phases where I just am hardcore all about one thing and then suddenly I'm all about another. It just really depends on my mood, how I feel, etc. And I think right now I'm really, really into like the more amateur and like filmed on your phone, the better. I mean, the unscripted, raw and in your moment of sex and what happens next bullshit is far better to me than any of that scripted cut let's try it again where's the fluffer bullshit but also as a side note speaking of porn I recently discovered I know that I've talked about a couple of times on this show that I actually did my very own amateur porn from this guy on Grinder who actually did it on a website where he published himself having sex with many guys. And so, of course, I was intrigued and did it. And I often referenced that specific video and jerked off to it. I know that sounds kind of weird, (laughs) but I don't give a fuck. Uh, Like, it was kind of hot seeing myself being pounded out by, like, a six-foot-four black guy with dreadlocks. I mean, don't you think? But here's the fucking thing. So, it was on Xtube. That's where this guy had his account. And I just recently discovered, you guys, Xtube actually no longer exists. And I have been on the constant quest to relocate my fucking 
video. And I have to tell you, I can't find it anywhere. It's just gone. I have like searched all the strategic keywords that would actually identify what that fucking video was named, what it was, etc. And absolutely not one thing. I, I think the porn is officially gone. Gone! Never to be retrieved ever again. And you know, honestly, maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> I often get asked, what is it that I've learned overall in doing this podcast? And that's actually quite a loaded question. I can't tell you how many lessons I've learned over the course of a year plus that I've been doing this show. And I think what I've learned is don't ever do what you think other people think you should do, because that's the shit that is the least successful. Just do what your heart tells you that you want to do and go with it and continue to do it regardless of the criticism and don't read the comments. Just don't. Just don't fucking read any of the comments at all whatsoever. Take Monet Exchange and her advice on any social media outlet when you publish anything and just don't read them. But in all honesty... As I continue to evolve in this show, I do think that just taking things on a whim, not giving a structure, not trying to conform to writing material and like bullet points and things of that nature has really been my most successful shit. So just getting on this fucking show, recording on my microphone and just going with it has been honestly the best shit that I've ever done. And you're going to get a little bit more of that in more unedited and raw and uncut, no pun intended, detail in running your mouth with Ronnie because I promised myself I wasn't going to edit. It's just going to be a straight shot conversation between me and one other guest just to see if they're capable of running their mouth right along me, And I know I promised I wouldn't fucking talk about that show anymore on this episode, but you guys, I can't help it. I'm so fucking excited I could explode. And that's it. we learned today, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, gays and straights, tops or bottoms, gender fluid and non-binary, transgender and questioning? Well, I'd like to think we learned a whole hell of a lot about all the different things that get thrown my way via DM and or email on a regular basis. And I really hope that I the bulk majority of the inquiries I get. I actually specifically picked the ones that I got multiple inquiries about in hopes to squash that. And hopefully that's enough for you. So <laughs> there it is. We're all set. 
we're going to get back to our regularly scheduled routine on the show next week. And with that, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. And give me a fucking five-star rating. You have no idea how those star ratings help us in the podcasting world get more attention, more exposure, and more money in our pocket. So just fucking do it. It's super easy, super simple, and it's just not hard. And if you follow on Spotify, actually hit that follow button. And don't forget to turn on those notifications so that you can catch wind of each and every episode of my Yay Expose podcast right when it drops. Follow on Instagram at Exposing My Gay and pay attention each and every week to the question of the week that actually will be dropped in my stories. That will be where you can reply with your answer and will be read live on the show, if it's good, of course, at Exposing My Gay. And don't forget to join us next week. Uh, Wait, sorry, one last thing I forgot. Don't forget to check out my website, which includes my blog, A Gay in the Life of Ronnie, as well as all of my written work. And it also now includes my new show, Running Your Mouth with Ronnie, at RonnieWashburn.com. That's R-A-O-N-I, Washburn.com. And now, don't forget to join us next week for another messy, salacious, and relatable episode with me, exposing my gay. I'm Ronnie Washburn, and I will slide into your DM with you next time.